You're listening to the North Carolina Theater Stories Podcast. Tonight, we speak to actor and director Ira David Wood, the fourth, about his upcoming sketch comedy show. Also, we review Ghost the Musical, featuring Jimmy Dukes and the Fair Use Player. Now, please welcome our host, James Johnson. Thank you, thank you. Wow, thank you everyone. Boy, boy, we got a show for you guys tonight. <laughs> uh, the theater season, <laughs> the theater season has just, just, thank you. No, no, sir, sir, please put on your shirt. Yeah, I, we, we can't have that. Yeah. And, and your pants. Oh, God. All right, all right. But both, yeah, okay. Thank you. Uh, the theater season has kicked into overdrive, and we are honestly having a little trouble keeping up. Just this upcoming weekend, Fateville's Cape Fear Regional Theater is opening Peter Pan and the Starcatcher. Theater Raleigh is doing the Rocky Horror Show. The Triad Stage is doing a Midsummer's Night Dream. The Raleigh Little Theater has just opened with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Wilmington's Thalian Hall is performing both Romeo and Juliet and a special production of 1776, the musical. Uh, it's... Honestly, I'm sure I'm missing some, but yeah, it's honestly, it's, it's just too much. Just, just stop, please. Oh my God. Have you seen all the shows opening in November? Oh, oh okay. Okay. Just, I need a, I need a moment. Ugh. Um... All right, well, well, in, in, in order to keep up, we may have to start doing multiple shows a week, which, considering I do this for free, <clears throat> is probably not going to be easy. So if you are listening and you'd like to help us with this show, please do email me at nctheaterstories at gmail.com. That email address again is nctheaterstories at gmail.com. Oh, and on Monday, look for an extra episode wherein we interview newly retired theater critic for the News and Observer, Roy C. Dix. So, really, I'm already doing more than one episode a week. I should give myself a raise. Today's show, we are being joined by actor and director Ira David Wood, the fourth. Wood and his family have been a staple in the North Carolina theater scene for years. Currently, Wood is serving as Assistant Artistic Director for Raleigh's Theatre in the Park. On October 26th through the 28th, Wood can be seen in the sketch comedy show Zero Headspace, being performed at Theatre in the Park. Please welcome Ira David Wood IV. Oh, oh wow! <laughs> Amazing! Those at home can't see, but Mr. Wood has entered through our studio's recently installed skylight using a head-mounted helicopter, much in the style of the popular cartoon detective Inspector Gadget. What a delightful spectacle of a dedicated performer who would badly damage his own spine in an effort to entertain our lucky audience. Oh. Oh, okay. Uh, well, um, I'm being told he can't get down. Having some trouble landing. 
Uh, he, here, somebody give me a broom. There we go. There you go. <laughs> ah, you'll never walk again, but you sure can fly. Thank you and welcome to our show. Oh, it's it's a pleasure to be here. This is a lovely studio you have. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yes, we uh, we we've aired it out some. It uh, smells better than it used to. Um, and uh, <laughs> so so, what can you tell us about Zero Headspace? Let's see. Well, Zero Headspace uh, was, uh, well, I guess where it all started is, uh, well, me and uh, Shane Smith and Phil Crew, who are in uh, Zero Headspace and company members, we met at the DSI uh, Comedy, Comedy Center when uh, Kevin McDonald from Kids in the Hall was teaching a two-day uh, comedy workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, and not too long after that, I ran into Phil um, uh, just at a bar, and he said that he was thinking about uh, putting a sketch comedy group together. And I had also been thinking about putting a sketch comedy group together. So we... Um, uh, kind of joined forces, and uh, we put uh, feelers out for comedians and actors to come and were looking and shopping around for talent. Um, at the time, we also had uh, a whole bunch of writers involved, so uh, it became uh, quite a large production when it first started off. Uh, I mean, with a very Saturday Night Live esque formula, where we had you know the writers' room and we had the comedians and the performers, mm-hmm. um, and the show went very well. Audiences really enjoyed it. And then we, uh, with the time we had it in the park, it got shelved for a few years. Mm-hmm. And then we thought it was time to bring it back. So this will be our, our second time doing the show. And we've uh, assembled a lot of the, uh, the original people together. Um, this time we don't have the, the, the writers that, that we did. So I've pretty much written the entire show except for one sketch. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I'm also directing it. I'm, I'm in it. I've done costumes for it. Um, and so my hair has been turning gray. <laughs> but, uh, I'll do it. But it's it, it's it's going really well, and because we're mounting it the weekend before Halloween, um, we've brought a few of the uh, audience's favorite sketches back. Uh, but we've also written a lot that are Halloween themed. Oh, cool. Um, so it's yeah, and uh, and it's just been shaping up really marvelously. And we've got some uh, uh, Brett Williams, who's just a fantastic local comedian, and is is hysterical. Uh, who's who's joined joined up with us and um, yeah so yeah she it's, was it's it's going to be a great show she was uh, our guest um, just a short time ago she was really really hilarious comedian um so yeah yeah so you're you're writing you're directing and and you're in the show are you the host of the show or are you is, is the, does the show have a host uh, I. I would say that uh, when, the, when the show opens, I come and greet everyone and kind of tell them what, what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, other than that, I'm just, you know, I'm just one of the gang, um, you know, doing various sketches with everyone else. Um, and also in between the sketches, we have local comedians that come out and do, uh, do a few sets. Oh, um, cool. and, and it's a great formula. And the reason that we did that is so that we can actually do scene changes behind the curtain, getting ready for the next sketch. So we'll do a sketch. The curtain will close. A comedian will come out and do do a, a quick set. Then the curtain opens, and we're off and running in, into the next sketch. This is right. This is happening right uh, before uh, election day. Technically, people can go out to vote right now. Which, by the way, listeners, go vote. Right. Um. Are are is politics? Are you guys staying apolitical as far as the comedy goes? Or are you you commenting on on world or local politics? Uh, 
Yeah, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, when I was talking to to some of the cast members and some people uh, before we, we got into rehearsals, that was a topic that we actually brought up and asked ourselves, like, do we want to? Because the last time we did it, we did do a Trump sketch, and this was before uh, he had been elected. He was, he was only running. Um, and so this time around, we decided, you know, you're just bombarded with that stuff so much daily anyway. Mm-hmm. And the news that I think, it, I think we just thought it would be better for an audience and they would enjoy it more, if, you know, just come in, watch some sketches and get away from the news and politics and everything else going on for a little while. Um, not that we didn't have some good ideas <laughs> for, yeah. uh, for a couple of political sketches, but, but we just decided that, uh, that the audience would enjoy it more just to, you know, just leave that stuff at the door and come in and laugh and have a good time and not, and not think about it. Right. You mentioned uh, Kevin McDonald, seeing Kevin McDonald from Kids in the Hall, and that, that was one of the things that really stood out to me about when you watch Kids in the Hall. It ages pretty well because they never really did too much in the way of, of uh, topical humor. They didn't really talk about uh, specific events in politics at the time. Oh, yeah. And they were uh, huge heroes to me when I was uh, a teenager and watching their show. Uh, and when I actually met Kevin, that was one of the first things I said is like, oh, you know, I just have to tell you when I was a kid, like your sketch comedy was like, like the Beatles of sketch comedy to me. <laughs> and he goes, uh, oh, that's funny because, you know, Monty Python was like the Led Zeppelin for me. <laughs> that's my Kevin McDonald imitation. Kevin McDonald, get in the hole. That's a pretty good impression. That's that's. Uh, <laughs> so uh, speaking of impressions, are, are you doing impressions in this show? Is that, is that part of par for core as, as far as uh, uh, well, sketch comedy? With, I don't want, without giving anything without giving anything away. There are some uh, there are some well known uh, monsters from from movies showing up in this show that make appearances. So hmm. there might be a few few impressions of those monsters. But we're, no, we're not a you know we're not taking any swings at celebrities or anything like that. Um, you know, it's really just kind of just that silly, you know, having fun sketch comedy stuff. I don't think really anything in the show is that is that topical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I imagine for a sketch comedy show, uh, the costume department and the and, and the props department they must be working overtime on this one, is uh, typically. Yeah, and that would be me. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because there's a there's there's a there's a lot of changes. Um, so yeah, there are there are a lot of costumes. The great thing is is because you know we're in operating theaters, we do have a costume department, uh, and the theater's been around since the '70s. So over the years, we've accumulated quite a quite a great deal of of costumes. So it's been it's been fairly easy to to walk up there and pull what we need. Um, so yeah, so that part's not not too bad. So um, now you you you've done this one time before. Uh, is there is is this going to become an annual event, or do you think maybe it will be biannual? Or I'm I'm guessing this won't be the last time you guys yeah, do this. Well, <clears throat> yeah, I, well, I would love to do it again. I mean, I I really enjoy doing uh, comedies in general. Uh, just when we do a you know a play that's a comedy, um, and working with this group of people, you know, we we have a lot of fun together. Mm-hmm. So I would love for it to be an annual thing. Another reason we wanted to do it is because we're right across from um, NC State University. And one uh, problem that theaters nationally are having mm-hmm. is how do you get the younger generation to come and get introduced to theater? Um, because a lot of the patrons for, for theaters in the United States are, you know, they're, they're much older. Yeah. So I thought, well, if we did sketch comedy, that might be a great way to bring in the college kids. And then once they get here and see the space, see the show, they go, oh, what else are you guys doing? And then, and then you know, you slowly kind of introduce them to, you know, to to plays and Shakespeare and, and all that good stuff. 
Wow, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I believe there was uh, there was some article I read recently that said that uh, that the the average the median age for uh, for people attending shows in New York and broad uh, on Broadway had lowered, but it only lowered to like forty. So, so it was still right. pretty. Still, yeah. still an older crowd, but uh, but yeah, I obviously you know yeah, uh, it's, the, it's hard to get them out, you know, because it's the it's the it's the generation that has iPads and Netflix, and mm. you know, it's like, well, well, I have to get off the sofa to go see a play. <laughs> like, well, I can just watch Netflix here. Why would I leave the house? That's stupid. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I think I think yeah, uh, you know, poor young people are often poor, and theater is not an inexpensive thing to put on. It usually has a lot of extra. Yeah. Well, the great the great thing about this show is that tickets are only uh, ten dollars for students and just twelve, you know, general admission. So we 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 did keep that in mind, and and we've you know it's not our usual ticket price, so it's it's a very affordable show. Nice. That's that's about the same cost yeah. as seeing a movie. Actually, it might be cheaper now than seeing a movie. Has. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we definitely definitely cheaper if you want popcorn or anything like that. Yeah, I go. To, I went to the movie theater the other day, and I'm like, "Yeah, can I just get you know?" If I got like a popcorn and a soda, and it was like almost twenty dollars. I'm like, "What? Like, who buys the pizza? Is that like the Wolf <laughs> of Wall Street people coming in and getting the pizza? Like, Jesus!" Yeah, <laughs> that, that that's one of the excesses they left out of the Wolf of Wall Street is is that guy going to a movie <laughs> theater and after getting all his cocaine, and he's like, "Yeah, and give me the pizza, yeah. movie theater pizza." Or, or he's actually. He's actually really poor, but he saves up money to get the movie theater pizza to like, press people in line. Like, yeah, I'm, getting, I'm just getting the pizza. Yeah, I can totally afford it. I, you know, just whatever. Not a big deal. So, um, well, if people want to go uh, get tickets, they can get them on your website, I'm guessing? Yeah, you can go to uh, theaterinthepark.com, or you can call the box office, which is 919-831-6936. Oh, man, that's, that's how you can tell you're a company man. You have that number memorized. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do. I do work here. It is my day job. Besides just putting on plays and stuff, like yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for taking out the time to speak with me. Um, I break a leg, and uh, hopefully, we'll we'll get to see you guys uh, perform. Plenty of people will show up. When we come back, we review the Temple Theater's production of Ghost the Musical. following is a review for Ghost the Musical, being performed at Sanford's Temple Theater. The show opened on October 18th and will run until November 4th. For tickets, go to templeshows.com. Oh, Molly, my darling, I've hungered for... Your touch, oh, such a long, lonely time. Full disclosure. As a child, my family had only a few VHS tapes. There was Aladdin, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and the original 1990 release of Ghost, which Ghost, the musical, is an adaptation of. 
As a result, I had seen the film a million times as a kid, as that tends to be the way children consume movies, and that will mean that either I am holding the Temple Theatre production to a higher standard so it lives up to my childhood nostalgia, or that I am intrinsically biased toward liking the show. I'm sure those in the comments will let me know exactly what kind of bias I have after listening to this review. Ghost the Musical follows the not-yet-dead trend of musicals being adapted from popular Hollywood movies. Theater purists who demand original work may scoff at this trend, but it isn't slowing down anytime soon, and it isn't as if there isn't some great work that has come out of derivatives. The original Broadway production of the show, however, was apparently not one of those examples of great work. Reviews for the show were mixed at best, with critics pointing to the oversized production budget, which included lavish light displays and supersized projections as a major distraction from the show's story. Plays are more malleable than films, however, and over time, with the right director and the right vision behind it, a show can change and improve, as is what apparently happened when the show opened at the Fulton Opera House in Pennsylvania in 2016. Much of the spectacle was removed, gone were the giant projection screens, and the cast was cut down from 30 performers to 10 so that the story could more easily focus on the four leads. That was the version seen by Ghost the Musical director Bill Saunders, and it was the version of the musical he wanted to bring to North Carolina audiences. The changes have, for the most part, worked, which is good because, deep down, this is a very entertaining story of some great characters, though it still isn't perfect. More on that later. The story centers on a couple, banker Sam Wheat and his artsy girlfriend Molly Jensen. They are played by David Toole and Haley Best, respectively. The couple are on the verge of moving in together when a mugging gone awry leads to Sam's death. Now a ghost, Sam must solve his own murder mystery and how his murder connects to his best friend, Carl, played by Andrew Wade. He receives help from an unlikely source, a con artist with psychic abilities named Oda Mae Brown, played to perfection by actress LaTanya Wiley. With much of the spectacle stripped from the show, Saunders knew that it would live and die based on the performances given by his actors, and he selects an excellent cast to make that happen. I had previously reviewed David Toole's performance in Once at Theatre Raleigh only a few weeks ago, and was pleasantly surprised to discover that the talent and charm he showed off in that show was no fluke. Toole is instantly likable as Sam. He infuses the character with much more of a sense of humor and swagger than had been seen in Patrick Swayze's original performance. 
This is made even more impressive considering that Tool works at some big New York bank, and that alone should have made him unlikable. Best, meanwhile, is a wellspring of talent doing a lot with a role that was honestly underwritten. Best has good chemistry of Tool, though she seemed to have pretty good chemistry with actor Andrew Wade as Sam's friend as well, so she may just be very good at working with other actors. Ironically, however, her blocking seems to have been designed to get her as far away from other actors as possible during her songs. For some reason, during every song, Best inevitably is singing out toward the audience, which makes sense in certain scenes when she is basically singing to an invisible ghost, but not in every single case. Best is a terrific actress, and I hope to see her do more in the future hopefully in a role that gives her more to do. Andrew Wade, who I mentioned earlier, serves as Sam's best friend, Carl. And he has to play a more complex role that I can't really get into without spoiling major elements of the story, but I will say that Wade is a natural leading man, and he was fun to watch on stage, particularly when interacting with Tool's Sam. Now, the standout here is absolutely LaTanya Wiley, in the role that Whoopi Goldberg won her Oscar for, Oda Mae Brown. Wiley previously had the Goldberg part in the stage adaptation of Sister Act, and it is no wonder, as very few actors can bring both the singing chops and the comedy chops required for these two roles. Wiley steals every scene she's in, and honestly the show didn't even feel like it had truly started until she stepped on stage. Like, the night I arrived, you should have heard the audience respond when Wiley came out during Curtain Call. If you're ever looking for an example of a standout performance, this one is it. The show's ensemble is also worth mentioning. Actor Tao Nun managed to derive some of the show's first big laughs in the role of the hospital ghost and even gets a great song. We also get great ensemble performances from Jarrett Bennett, Hannah Duncan, and Najha K. Forby. One of my favorite scenes in this show was brought to us by actor Patrick Holt as a deeply troubled subway ghost. Holt takes the character in a slightly different direction than character actor Vincent Chivave did in the original film. Holt's subway ghost is less aimless homeless man and more passionate anarchist, even in his singing, which sounds inspired by singer Zach De La Rocha of Rage Against the Machine, Holt infuses his character with a manic rage. Your finger won't do it, it's all in your head. It's time you knew it, come on man, you're dead! You don't have a body, you don't have a nose. Look at those fingers, you don't even have those! your reality, you got no physicality, and everything you used to be is useless to you now. You croaked, you choked, you broke, you passed, got nothing to ass, you hardly get started, then you dilly departed. You're no more than a vapor, an apparition of mist. Don't exist like you did, cause you're dead. Holt also has one of the best songs in the show, though obviously there is no song in the show that manages to surpass the beauty of Unchained Melody, an old song given new life by its use in the original 1990 film, and perfectly captured by the performances of Tool and Best. 
Music director Katherine Anderson deserves credit for helping these performers find the very soul of these songs. As stated earlier, I feel the show still has some kinks to work out. The energetic boy band-esque dance number is choreographed by Jacob Toth, and the brightly colored two-dimensional set designed by Tab May were both terrific, but felt like they belonged in a different show entirely. It felt like elements of thoroughly modern Millie's cartoonish version of New York were leaking into the more grounded version of New York that was hinted at in the script. The show's costumes, which were designed by Peggy Taphorn, were also very good, except for the costumes of some of the demons, which make a very brief appearance in the second act. A scene that I always remembered being terrifying as a child literally got chuckles from the audience when we saw it live, and I believe it had to do with the silly masks worn by the demon characters. The two MVPs that absolutely must be mentioned are sound designer John McCone and lighting designer David Castaneda. Even a stripped-down version of the show is a technical marvel. The lighting and sound effects, as well as the effects that scenic designer Tab May deserves credit for, all help to sell the story to the audience. I think many of the people going to see this play had gone in wondering how on earth they'd be able to translate such a story to the stage, and they do it really, really well. Particularly during Sam's death scene. I'm not going to give anything away, but yeah, it's pay attention. It's a really cool scene. I've been a long fan of Castaneda's work, and he never fails to outdo himself. Now, before I wrap up, I need to mention that the music in this show is canned. That is, there is not a live band, but rather pre-recorded music. This, to me, is a giant pet peeve of mine, and this was the case with the last musical I saw at the temple. If someone pays to see a live show, they should be seeing a live show. Canned music lacks vibrancy, robs the audience of a truly live experience, and also robs talented musicians of jobs. I've known theaters of smaller budgets and smaller stages that have managed to use a live band, so I don't really see an excuse for this. Again, this is a pet peeve of mine, and not one that every audience member will share or even notice, but I felt obligated to mention it. In the end, Ghost the Musical has been successfully revived from the dead, even if it's still being haunted by some trappings of its past. In a sea of safe bets from area theaters, Saunders and the Temple Theater took a gamble on a new version of an old show, and it has paid off with a truly moving theatrical experience. 4 out of 5 stars. Well, I want to thank our guests, Ira David Wood IV, and all of you for listening. Please go to nctheaterstories.com to subscribe to our newsletter and check out old episodes. 
Also, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, so go do that. And most of all, go see a play this weekend. Dim the lights, fade to black. For I'm longing for dear old Broadway Longing for dear old town Yes, I'm longing to stroll on Broadway Watching the world go